When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy New Year, Secret Squad. I'm thrilled to be back with 2023's first episode of I've Got a Secret. The new year is a great time to create new goals for yourself. So I thought it would be perfect to have financial coach and author Rumit Sethi on the podcast. Fortune Magazine called Rumit the new financial guru, and the name of his business says it all. It's I Will Teach You to Be Rich. He's going to teach us financial fundamentals that you need to start building your personal rich life. And his advice is not about restriction. It's about deeply understanding your own habits and goals. This is the secret to building a rich life. Thank you so much, Ramit, for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be such a wonderful new podcast for the new year. I know that it's going to be full of information that everyone needs to know. So tell us about your early relationship with money. You paid for college and grad school on your own. Is that right? Yeah, I grew up uh, the son of immigrant parents, and they told us that, of course, you know, they planned for us to go to college. They wanted us to go, but... We needed to find a way to pay for it. Aww. And we had a pretty big family. So um, they taught us a lot about money, but we had to find our way. And so I love systems. Yeah. I like building systems so that I can do something once and not do it again. So I built a system to apply to about 65 scholarships, which ended up fortunately paying my way through undergrad and grad school. But I'll tell you something. I thought I was a genius at the time because I took some of that scholarship money and I invested it in the stock market. And like many of us, I thought investing meant picking individual stocks, which is totally not true. I lost half of that money and I realized I wanted to learn how money actually worked. And that is what led me to get interested in personal finance and money psychology. Wow. So you lost half of it and learned a very valuable lesson. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, it was cheap. Many of us learn money lessons a much more expensive way. Uh -huh. Many of us believe certain myths in America that have been passed on for generations. Those myths include, you should always buy a house. It's always the best investment. That's not true. Uh, you should pay a financial advisor. Everybody should have one. And 1% AUM or 1% fee, it's not that much. That's also not true. We could talk about the counterintuitive math. There's a lot of myths in money that you would never know unless you started digging. And that's what fascinated me, especially the way we think about money and treat money. Oh, I love this. I love it. Can you talk about how we develop core beliefs about money early on in our lives without even knowing it? The best way we can think about our money beliefs is to think about what we remember our parents saying about money. Mm -hmm. So what would be an example if you can remember from your childhood, what phrases do you remember your family saying? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I can remember my parents definitely telling all of us kids, never 
open charge accounts. Have to pay. Oh, ev- wow. Have to pay cash for everything because we were very poor. So my oh, father wow. used to say, if you don't have enough money to pay for it, then you just can't buy it because you we couldn't afford to open credit cards or charge accounts. You know, at, at department stores, he meant you know yeah. you don't open a, an account at a department store to buy things if you can't pay cash for it. You just can't have it. Now that is a fascinating example because in part that is true. Don't buy something if you can't afford it. On the other hand, credit is something that any person who becomes savvy with money starts to use. Yes. So I'll often meet people who they don't have a credit card at all. They have a debit card. And I already know they probably grew up poor Mm -hmm. because there are certain things that are passed along socioeconomically, even from a gender perspective that stay with us. So when I meet people, they're 40, 50, 60 years old, and they have some interesting sometimes peculiar way of handling money, I already know it happened because of what their parents taught them. So we grow up with these phrases. Often the phrases are things like, we can't afford that. And you hear that 50, 500, 5,000 times. And that often leads to people years, decades later, always feeling anxious about money. Yes. So these things stick with us. We don't remember it. We don't believe it. We think we're very robotic and logical and, oh, I'm choosing that thing on the menu because of what sounds good today. Wrong. Many of us are affected by external factors, including something that happened 40 years around the dinner table. And yeah. that's okay. That's human nature. <laughs> that's so true. I'm sure my husband wishes I still believed all of that that my father used to <laughs> preach. But but you're right. I just turned 69 years old and I, and I noticed how quickly that came to me because I still remember it. I still Amazing. remember that. You have a five why, quote, five why method that really helps people get to the bottom of their money beliefs. Can you explain yeah. that? Yeah, well, there's this classic five whys technique that was pioneered by a, a car company, and they would use it to ask why a factory shut down. And we can use the same thing for our money beliefs. So I find these very deep-seated beliefs that people have about money. For example, um, I don't have enough. That's a classic one. And another one is, if I have X dollars, then finally I can stop worrying about money. Okay, or finally, you know, I need to buy a house. That's the third one. Let's take the middle one. Let's take the one that's, if I have $50,000, finally I'm going to stop worrying. I'll go, okay, why? They'll go, because right now I just, um, you know, I always have to log into my account every single day to make sure I have enough. I said, okay, why 50K? Uh, because that's uh, more than I have. Okay, but why 50K? Because then it, it, uh, I'll have enough for my savings and this and that. I go, and what will you do then? I don't know. Uh-huh. And so as we start to unpack this, and I have more examples in my book, people realize that they assign these really quantitative, logical beliefs. Oh, 50K, 2.5 million XYZ. But when we dig deep, it's often just pure emotions. Uh-huh. And nothing wrong with emotions, by the way. You'll hear a lot of financial experts come and say, oh, there's too much emotion. We need to cut back on the emotion. I go, no, 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 no. Emotions are as real as it gets. We need to acknowledge them, but we also need to run the numbers. And if 50K is your number, that's okay. But we need to understand why. What does 50K mean? What does it get you? And then you combine money psychology with money competence, and that is how you develop real confidence. Oh, I love that. 
So rewiring our money beliefs is challenging. Do you have any tips? Because your workbook is so great for this. Thank you. You know, um, I, I, I wrote my first book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, many years ago. And if you want the nuts and bolts, that's the book to get. But I also realized there are a lot of people who simply do not want to read about the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. <laughs> I mean, I don't really understand those people because I love this stuff, but okay, fine. You know, not everyone's going to do it. So there's another thing that I wanted to help people do with their money, which is to dream. And I think so many of us have lost the ability to dream with our money. You know, money is like, oh, do we spend so too much on asparagus at the grocery store? I go, that sounds like my personal hell to be looking at a Safeway receipt for the rest of my life for a $5 purchase. No, I don't want to do it. So I want to help people design their rich life. So imagine, you know, we've all played these games where you ask each other questions, you know, what would you do if we went bungee jumping? So I created a journal where you get to ask whether it's solo or with a partner or friends. Let's ask some really interesting money questions. For example, who's a couple that we admire when it comes to money? That's a good one. Or even juicier, who's a couple that we don't admire? Yeah. Uh, in the next 10 years, what do I want to do that would mean I lived a rich life? And it could be skydiving. It could be learning another language. It could be donating or tipping 50% everywhere you go, whatever. And you get to create these visualizations, even sketching out what your dream house is. And then, of course, you can figure out how to use money to live it. That's what I mean by designing a rich life. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So you even say a $5 Starbucks won't make you broke, but neglecting the core pillars of personal finance will. Yeah. You know, too many of us are obsessed with $3 questions, and we really should be asking $30,000 questions. Oh. These $3 questions consume us. Oh, uh, I don't know if I should get the extra large coffee. Oh, should I get that cheesecake or not? Why did you buy that thing at Target? I go, this is a complete waste of time. Yeah. You're literally wasting your entire life worrying about $3 questions. I guarantee the same people are not asking $30,000 questions, such as, what is our savings rate? And can we increase it by 1% every year? That right there is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Oh. Number two, what is our asset allocation? You know, most people don't even know what that phrase is. I don't blame them, but we got to learn that. That right there is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. When is my debt payoff date? Specifically, what month and year will our debt be paid off? 95% of people do not know that answer. So we are consumed with these things that are in front of us, these pointless minutiae. But instead, if we were to zoom up, if we were to get our savings rate right, if we were to create a couple of money rules and automate them so you don't even have to think about it, suddenly you can buy all the lattes you want. Wow. To me, that is a beautiful, rich life of not having to worry about tiny decisions. Oh, you are very uh, energizing. I bet you're told that a lot. Well, I like this stuff, you know, and it's thank you for saying that because to me, you know, a lot of people look at money and it's depressing. It's yeah. a spreadsheet. And it's all these confusing terms like a 401k. When I look at money, I see possibility. Yeah. I see a beautiful trip to camping or Disneyland or Europe. 
when I look at money, I see the ability for a partner to stay home with children or pick them up from school every day. I see the possibility of buying a beautiful coat and never apologizing for it because that's important to you. To me, money is about a rich life. It's not about the tiny decimal place of over-quantification. Wow. I can feel, while listening to you, possibilities. That's what you offered. That's what I think we all need that, don't we? We all need a way to hope and dream about our money, even if we started late, even if we have $25,000 of credit card debt, even if we are only able to focus on what's coming up next week and we can't even think about what's happening next year. I've met people like that. I've talked to them on podcasts all the time. I get that, especially because the way I was raised, Uh you know, we didn't even order appetizers when we ate out. We would eat out Mm -hmm. once every six to eight weeks, Uh only when we had a coupon and we were not ordering appetizers ever. So my dream early on, my dream was to be able to go to a restaurant and order any appetizer I wanted. Oh, I love that. That made me feel rich. Yep. And and I embrace that. But I think as we go on, hopefully as we increase our income, become a little bit more successful, hopefully our dreams can expand. And that's why I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to your audience. Oh, I love this. Being scared of money might just be from being uneducated about it. Do you agree? I totally agree. I think that if you want to become confident with money, you have to become competent. And that means you actually do need to speak the basic language of finance. Now, it's not scary. A lot of people are, they're already going, oh God, here we go. This guy's going to lay it down. We're going to talk about PE ratios. I'm not talking about PE ratios. You don't even need to learn that stuff. But there are some basic things you need to know. You need to know four key numbers in your finances. You need to understand that Every dollar you invest today will be worth more later. You need to understand that it's not gambling. It's quite different. And let me put it this way. I talk to so many people. They go, by the age of 40, the number one concern people have is money. Point blank. Money. And they will agonize over it. They will worry. They will fight over it. But you know what they won't do? Almost none of them will spend one weekend reading a single book about personal finance. Oh, yeah. So you can't tell me that money is such a worrisome thing to me, but I don't have time to read one book. Look, get the audio book. I don't care. There's lots of ways to do it. You don't even have to listen to my book. There's a million good books. But the point is, if it's important to you, then you need to set time and probably money aside. Wow, that's so true. That is so true. And you actually aren't telling people to be smart with money by being stingy, right? No, I hate cheap people. I can't stand yep. them. I hate cheap tippers. I hate cheap people. Oh, I, I hate them. I'll tell you right now, if, if I see somebody, I, this happens all the time, because I believe that as you become more financially successful, you have an obligation to help people. Yeah, I said that, obligation. I love it. So there are certain things I cannot afford to do now because I've become more financially successful than when I was starting out. And there's a lot of stories about wealthy people. They can't afford to mow their own lawn anymore because they would rather spend time with their son. So for me, it's natural that of course I would tip large. Of course. Why? Because 10, 20, $30 to me is not as meaningful as the recipient who's offering good or even great service. Oh, I love that. So, uh, so stingy people, First of all, we're not going to get along. Don't even listen to my stuff. But what I love 
is to show people that you can be generous with your money. What a beautiful word that we never talk about. The more you make, the more you understand your money, you can be generous with your partner. You can be generous with your children and that could be educating them. It doesn't have to necessarily be toys. You can be generous with people you don't even know, like the barista that you're buying coffee from. What a beautiful way to take money and share it with the world. Oh, I love that. I love that. Philip just did a show about tipping and it was Ugh. it was wonderful because he had one guy on there that just said, I refuse to tip. I don't oh, believe God. in tipping. I wanted to get out of my chair and go up there and, and just go, ooh, you, ooh. I know, the, I, I, I know so many people like this. And it's so interesting. I'll tell you what. I, I post about tipping. And the reason that I post about tipping in particular is that we all go to places where we tip. Uh-huh. And we all believe that we've developed our philosophy on tipping. But the fact of the matter is we basically just tip whatever we feel like. And people tip the same amount basically every time. They love to say, ooh, I'm going to tip based on service or not. I've talked to waiters. I've interviewed them. They're like, nope, people tip the same amount every time. The same person always tips the same. So when I point out that for you to be incredibly generous, let's say to set a 25% minimum tip every time you go out, it might cost you like $400 the entire year. Mm-hmm. The first question I get back is, oh, Ramit, are you saying that I always have to tip even if the service is horrible? And I go, what an interesting response. What an interesting response that your natural assumption is that people are going to treat you poorly. My natural assumption is that people are going to be amazing. So I'm going to create my life around that. Now, if you do a horrible job, okay, we could have a conversation. Maybe you don't tip as much. Maybe you don't even tip at all. Fine. But by default, 98% of the time, I think I get fantastic service. Yeah. So I'm just going to set up a rule to be generous. Yeah, I love it. I'm a big tipper. I just believe that everyone's out there doing their very best. And I'm out there to enjoy myself. And I just believe in tipping. I really do. Were you always like that? Always. Now, isn't that interesting? See, the amount of money in the bank is often highly uncorrelated with how we feel about it. Mm-hmm. So I will talk to somebody who has uh, $8 million in the bank mm-hmm. and they are worried about money, worried. And they go, ah, if I have $11 million, then I'll feel good. And I always tell them the amount of money in your bank account is highly uncorrelated with the way you feel. And you are a great example of that. And in a beautiful, generous way. Oh, thank you. Also, I always think if it's child, young adult, Mm-hmm. I think of my two boys growing up. They're they're young men now, married yeah. with children, but I still think of them. And if it's a young man, especially, but a young lady, and she's working and helping me in any way, I think if this was my child, I would want someone to tip them and yeah. be appreciative. Well, it's a beautifully empathetic way to be, <laughs> and you happen to be also backing it up with money, which I think is very meaningful. Yeah. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. 
I think this might be a good time for us to do what I do on every podcast. And one is drink of the day. So I've created a drink to honor you and our topic. So sadly, we're not together. This is a virtual podcast, but I have created the drink called The Rich Life. This is a beautiful, rich dessert shooter that will make you feel drenched in opulence. It is made of one-fourth ounce mint schnapps, one-half ounce vanilla vodka, one-half ounce of amarillo, and one-fourth ounce chocolate sauce. You combine all ingredients into a shaker with ice and give it a shake. Strain into a shot glass and enjoy. So I'm holding this up. I'm saying to you, cheers Cheers. to all of your brilliance and our topic for today. Because I said cheers, I'm going to taste it. Oh my gosh, that is delicious. This is fantastic. I've never had a drink created in my honor. I feel uh, like I feel like on top of the world right now. Good, good. I wish I had one to give you. (laughs) I'm putting this down to all my listeners. I did not shoot that entire shot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd be able to talk to you anymore if I did. Okay, so now back to our beautiful questions. Can you talk about money dials? Yes. I love helping people find out where they really love to spend their money. And I'm going to tell you why. In fact, let's do a little exercise together. This is a lot of fun. So I call, uh, question number one, what do you love to spend money on? What do I personally love to spend money Mm -hmm. on? Well, for pleasure, I love to spend money on things for my children, my daughter-in-laws, and my grandchildren. And Mm -hmm. then if it's for me, I love to spend money on clothes and shoes and purses. I I had a feeling you're very stylish. Okay, beautiful. I love that too. That's one of my money dials. Okay. So now let me ask you a second question, which is if you could quadruple the amount you spent on clothes, what would it look and feel like for you? Oh, it would be, it would feel very, uh, exciting if I could quadruple the amount I spend on clothes, but it would feel also a little bit, uh, I'd feel a little bit like a brat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now let me ask you this. The current stores you shop at, the places you go, if you were quadrupling your spending, what would change about those? I personally feel like I would have too many clothes. Okay. Okay. Great. So this is great. Um, I I love asking this question. First of all, you did exactly w- one of my favorite things, which is when I asked that question, what do you love to spend money on? Big smile on your face. Because people love to talk about what they love spending money on. And the most common answers are, number one, eating out. Yeah. Number two, travel. Number three, health and wellness. And there's a variety of other ones like convenience, et cetera. I call these money dials because like a dial on your stereo, you can actually turn it up and turn it down. And I have a philosophy, I have a belief that you should spend extravagantly on the things you love as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. Uh-huh. And so as I go through this exercise, you know, I'll ask people, eating out, what if you could quadruple your, the amount? And they'll always sort of say the same thing. Well, I'd, I'd probably have to go for a lot more of a jog because I'd be eating out four times a week. But I push them. I say, you know, that's a bit of a linear way of thinking. Think, where would you eat? And I remember this young man in D.C. He came out for my book tour. And he he said the same thing. I said, where would you eat? 
And he got very quiet. He said, you know, I have a list of every Michelin starred restaurant in DC. And I said, who would you take with you? And it's pin drop silent in the room. He said, my parents, my family. Oh. Why? Because they've never been able to afford to eat at places like that. Oh. And so what I love about this exercise is first, people are rarely given the permission to say what they love spending money on. There's nothing wrong with saying, I love spending money on clothes. That's I love right. that. Nothing wrong with saying, I spent, I love getting an instructor for yoga or a beautiful anything. I love it. Okay. But the second thing is almost no one has ever dreamed bigger. In fact, oh. we're taught to dream smaller. Oh, I know I spend, I probably shouldn't spend. No, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear more. If you had lived a rich life and that was under your control, what would it be? And once we start with what people love, then we can cut back on the things that don't align with their rich life. Suddenly we look at their spending, they go, I don't need this, I don't need this. Instead, I'd rather spend it on a beautiful blazer. Yeah. And that is how we start to craft their rich life. That's so interesting. That is so, I, yes, you're absolutely right. Convenience is interesting because you're using money to buy back time. That's my money dial. I love it. I'm a complete psycho about convenience. I have everything in my life completely engineered. People think that I'm like a serial killer the way I talk about my calendar, <laughs> but I don't care. I love it. I'll spend unlimited amounts for convenience. And that's the thing about your rich life. The more you refine it, the more you understand yourself and you're able to use money to live it, the more confusing and even bewildering it becomes to the rest of the world. And that's how it should be because your life is like a custom glove. It only fits one person in the world, you wow. and maybe your partner. Yeah. That's how it should be. And that's okay. I love that. So, so how do you buy convenience for yourself? Everything from having an assistant yeah. to um, having certain things set up on auto delivery, um, having Perfect. a personal trainer, Perfect. things that are important to me, right? Health and wellness, that. convenience, all of these things. I have certain rules for when I travel and some of them are for saving time, some of them yeah. for luxury and some of them just so I don't have to think about it again. Yeah. But I really spend a lot of my effort, including time and money so that I create these systems and rules. And then it it's like, I wake up in the morning and I love seeing my day unfold like a ballet everything's just like working together in the right way at the right time. Again, I know you're listening to this. You're going, this guy's a weirdo. No, that's okay. That's because it's my money dial. No, But okay, well, you and I, you and I get it. Some people don't, I don't mind it, but every person has their own. Mine happens to be convenience. I love it because I don't feel bad about buying clothes because that uh -uh. truly is something I feel it, it makes me happy. I love it. It's a joy. Yeah. I feel I've earned the right. I've earned it. I don't spend money mm -hmm. I don't have on the clothes. So that's my number. That's at the top of my list. And because I love clothes, I actually took one of the bedrooms in my home because we have more than one bedroom, of course, in our home and, and all of our children are grown. So I mm -hmm. took one bedroom in my home and turned it into a large closet. No way. Yes. Are you serious? That's I, amazing. I call it a boutique room. It's my <laughs> boutique room because it's it's like a closet. It has a table and two some chairs for uh, mirrors. And yes, I wow. I go in there and 
try on what I want to wear for the next couple of days, what I might send to the studio for my, in my mm -hmm. dressing room. And yeah, so it's you convenience. Know what I, love? I, I love first that you know what's important to you. That's amazing. But second, I also love that you are talking about this unapologetically. I am. I often find, especially, you know, I recently did a, an interview with a young woman. She's very successful financially and otherwise. And I asked her, what do you love to spend money on? And she had a very funny response. She goes, well, I kind of spend money frivola. I said, what was that word? Did it start with an F? Friva. What was that word? She said, frivolous. I said, that's an interesting choice of words. What, why do you think that that she had a beautiful bag sitting on the floor? Yeah. I said, do you think that that handbag is frivolous? And she got very, a little embarrassed. And she said, kind of. I said, why is that? Can you afford it? She said, yeah, easily. And I asked her, how much is the bag? By the way, she bleeped it out because it was a very expensive bag. Yeah. I could tell looking at it, it was very stunning. Yeah. But I noticed that we only use the word frivolous for women's items. Oh. Have you noticed that? Yes, that's true. You never hear some guy driving an $80,000 truck. Yeah. You know, one mile on concrete roads to his office job saying, oh, this is a frivolous purchase. No, yeah. instead he's going, I bought that because it's got a Hemi. Yeah. I go, listen, bro. You you can't afford that. I know your income. That you fully load that thing. That's 120k plus payments, etc. But it's a gendered word, frivolous. Yes. And I don't like it. I if you like a beautiful handbag, get it. If uh -huh. you can afford it, you like a beautiful blazer, shawl, jacket, yep. and you can afford it, get it. So I'm I'm on a mission to get rid of the word frivolous, especially in a gendered way, because yeah. I don't like it. Agree, agree. I love it. I love it. Get rid of it. I I never yeah. say the word frivolous. <laughs> Awesome. I never yeah. did. Uh, we, I think we, we get each other. This is good. Yeah, I agree. How do money dials differ from what you call big wins? Well, the big wins in life are those in your financial life are those things like setting up an automatic investment plan, deciding how much you want to save every year and, and including how much you want to spend on guilt-free spending, whether it be clothes, eating out, travel, whatever. Those are big wins. And again, if you get the five to 10 big wins in life right, you really do not have to worry about tiny purchases like, should I buy this can of Coke or not? It's irrelevant. Uh, so that you want to start by understanding your money dials, what's important to you. And then from there, you can allocate more money towards those things, but you also got to cut back on some of the other things. Yes understood. So now something that really stood out to me is a quote that I absolutely live by. The best predictor of future behavior is current behavior. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Well, in our future selves, if I ask people, you know, what are you going to do this year? In our future selves, we are perfect. We work out every day. We call our parents or whoever, and we're, we're perfect partners. Everything's perfect. And I go, oh, okay, cool. Um, what'd you do in the last week? Oh, uh, I haven't been able to make it to the gym and call my parents and I've been busy. I go, listen, I don't mind if you set resolutions and goals. I love that. But if we, the key to a rich life is being honest. And that is honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. And so if somebody comes to me and they go, um, I currently make $45,000 a year and my goal is to make $10 million this year. I go, let's get real. That's not, <laughs> that's not realistic. And sometimes I think people just, they actually crave the truth. Somebody to tell them, look, 
That's not realistic. On the other hand, if you make $45,000 and you say, my goal is to save 10% of my gross income, my goal is to negotiate my job salary or find another job that takes me up to 60K, 70K even, now that is totally realistic. Okay, I teach all that stuff. And once you get to 70, you're within striking distance of 100. So sometimes we need to be realistic. Yeah. And I often find that we would rather dream about, you know, taking three steps than actually take one step. Yes, that's very, very true. I love that you teach people that getting started is more important than being an expert. Yeah. This idea, um, many people have that I can't start investing until I get all my ducks in a row. Or, you know, some some of us actually believe I can't start investing because that's for rich people. But it's actually the opposite. The way you gain wealth is by investing, even $50 a month to start. And so a, a lot of times what I try to help people do, as you can hear, you know, as I'm talking, it's like cut through the confusion. 90% mm -hmm. of this stuff we hear about money is totally irrelevant or sometimes even wrong. Let's set it aside. I will show you how to sift through the information and let's focus on the things that matter. What are the big things you can do this year to get started with your money? You can, number one, set up an investment account if you don't already have one. That could be a 401k at work. It could be a Roth IRA. Two, you can set up an automatic transfer. If you don't know how much, I say start with a hundred bucks a month. Very easy. Okay. And three, you can pick an investment and set that money to be invested every month. If you do just that, you've just made thousands and thousands of dollars over the course of your lifetime. Once you get that set up, you can add it from a hundred to a thousand or 500, whatever's works for you. All this stuff explained in the book, but these are the simple things we can do right now. Wow. That is brilliant. That is just brilliant. Tell us all about your fabulous website and the resources that you offer. Yeah. Well, the favorite thing that I want to direct uh, everybody to is this podcast that I started where I talk to couples, real couples with real numbers, and they come on and they tell me everything. So there'll be a couple and they're having some type of disagreement about money. Maybe he's a spender, she's a saver, et cetera. So you're going to hear couples that have $825,000 of debt so much that they're not sure they can have children. You're also going to hear couples who have $13 million in their net worth, and they are agonizing over certain financial issues. No one has ever heard couples talk like this with real numbers, real debt, real income, real everything until now. And that is on my podcast and on YouTube. Oh, and how do they find it? What's the name of it? It's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Yes. I love that. It's fabulous. And your website is? It's IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. You can find me there. You can join my newsletter where I share a lot of material on earning more, which is of particular interest, and of course, on all social media channels. Oh, that's just wonderful. And most of your resources are free, correct? That's correct. 98% of my material is free. And then I have 2% of my material that is very high-end for people who want to accelerate their growth on things like starting a business or negotiating a new salary. Oh, that's so exciting. So we do a second thing, as I mentioned before, we play a game of the day. How do you like playing games? I'm not usually good at them, but I'll play ball. Let's try it. <laughs> okay, because we've created a game like we okay. always do for just for you and for our topic for today. Okay. We can run through it. We've kind of talked about some of these already, so it won't take long. 
but right. the name of this game is My Dream Life. So as we I mean, mentioned in your journal, you encourage people to dream big and plan out the future that they want for themselves. You include such thoughtful prompts throughout the journal. So in this game, we're going to answer a few. So we're both going to answer these. Number one, when was the last time you wished you spent more on something? I'm going to go first. We were talking about going out to dinner and we picked a restaurant and I wished, this was like three nights ago, I wished I had spent more on the meal, quite honestly, because I told Philip, I said, you know what? I, I'm not really that hungry. I, I don't think I'm just going to order one thing. And I really wish I had spent more on the entire meal because it was absolutely delicious. And I have a really healthy appetite. A lot of people are always writing mean things on message boards like, she needs a cheeseburger. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a fast metabolism. What am I going to say? So I do eat a lot. But that night I just ordered one thing and I was so mad because I went to bed hungry. I wish I'd spent more on that meal. That's it. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Okay, now, now I get it. That's a good one. I, all right, I've got one. I have this beautiful pair of sweatpants Yuck. that I love. And I wish when I bought it, when I put them on for the first time, I knew these were going to be with me for at least a decade. I wish I'd bought two. Yes. And that's my lesson for myself. Oh, can I just add something right here? I totally get it. Because when I buy something like sweatpants, or I recently did, this one's new brand, Cosabella, I fell so in love with them. I reordered and ordered like three more pair. Amazing. Because I knew they were going to be the only ones I wear for like a year or so. Yes. So I totally get it. Okay, number two. What is something that you claim you want to do with your money, but you haven't in the last year? Ooh. Oh, my God. You're using my own questions against me. I know. I know. Okay, so let me go first. I, I want to do something with my money, but I haven't done it in the last year. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go with what we've talked about today. I've actually not learned how to invest oh. on my own, you know. You want some help? Yes. All right, I let's talk. Like to, we'll talk anytime. I'm going to, yes, I would like to talk to you because honestly, I don't, I haven't gotten into that world by myself on my own. You know, my husband invests. Yeah. My yeah. children invest, but I have never actually tried investing. Oh my gosh, this will be a lot of fun. Yes. I feel like we could get a whole camera crew and do this. This <gasps> is going to be a blast. Okay. Yes. Wow. I want to do that. This is gold. Okay. Um, my thing that I claim I want to do, but I haven't spent money on, is taking a guy's trip. <gasps> so I want to take a guy's trip. You know, guys, we don't take trips unless it's a bachelor party, basically, yeah. or it's golf. Yeah. Uh, men have a lot of weird things around travel. I want to do it. I haven't done it, and I'm, I, I'm going to do it. Yes, you should. Yeah, you know, I raised two boys, and uh, I totally believe in girls' trips. I take girls' trips all yeah. the time, and yeah. I believe in guys' trips. You should do a guys' trip. What would you okay. do on a guys' trip? I think we would go to Japan, oh, just wow. eat everything, have an amazing time, stay at the best places, explore. I think it would be a blast. That would be amazing. Yeah. 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 I totally believe in guys' trips, girls' trips. Yes. So, okay. Last one. What has been your worst experience with a cheap person? <laughs> That's funny. 
What's been? Well, every experience would be a worst experience with a cheap yeah. person. Okay, I, I'll, I'll give you one because okay. I I remember dining with someone, and it wasn't the first time. I already knew what was going to happen, and I was just like physically rigid because I'm like, oh god, here we go. And the check came, and this person left. Just to, first of all, they sent stuff back. They're just a terrible person, and uh, at the very end, they left a horrible tip. Yeah. Now, you know, I looked at it. Of course, I'm going to peek at that thing. I go, this is atrocious. Yeah. So there I was sitting there having this conversation with myself about, should I slip an extra 40 bucks in here? Things like that. Yeah. But that, I remember sweating because it was just such an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can think of something. Uh, mm. What has been your worst experience with a cheap person? Okay. I remember dining with a cheap person who wanted to share everything. And I cannot share food. I can't do it. I can't do it. I wish I could be that person, but I can't share. I, I love that you know yourself. This is so good. I know. I when I'm, the minute they said it, it was like I was like, no. I you order yours and I'll order mine. Now once I get my steak or whatever, I'll cut a piece off and put it on your plate. But we're not going to order one steak and share it because maybe I want more than you're going to give me or something. I can't share I food. It. All right. From the beginning. I, I'm glad to know this in case we ever uh, <laughs> share a meal together. It's going to be sharing physically at the table, but the food will be separate. That's right. The food is separate. <laughs> I'll share once we get it, but we're not going to share the order. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, this has been an absolute brilliant podcast. You're brilliant. And I've had so much fun. And I just love all of this great information. So thank you very much. It's been a blast. And that brings us sadly to the end of the episode after all of this beautiful information. And then we finished our game. Sadly, it's over. But before we wrap it up, I need to ask you just one quick final question. Sure. This podcast is all about sharing life changing secrets. So, do you have just one major secret you've learned? that you'd like to share with the listeners? My secret uh, is that the most important things in life can't really be quantified. You know, how long you can spend with your loved ones, you're never going to find that in a spreadsheet, but it is, in my opinion, the most important thing. Oh, that's beautiful. So now please tell the listeners where to find you online. And I think we've already gone over that. Is there any place else online they can find you that we haven't talked about? Find me on my podcast, my newsletter, and my website, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. I love it. You're fantastic. Secret Squad, as always, head on over to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more from this episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>